For Jean-Pierre Regis, 2016 started off great. He was at the top of his career. He'd gone from being an assistant to a producer to eventually an on-air contributor at CNN. And his goal was just to keep on climbing. I was consumed by that. And I really thought that I would be the best at it, that I would learn more, that I would get bigger scoops, that I would get bigger exclusives, that my name would get bigger. Getting to this place hadn't been easy. You could say it was the accumulation of a lifelong marathon effort. And not just his effort, his mom's too. He pulled all-nighters in high school while she worked overtime as a single mom. He joined every extracurricular, got himself into a selective college. She borrowed money from friends, budgeted every penny. And it seemed like he was becoming the embodiment of all that hard work. He turned out beautifully. This is Jean-Pierre's mom, Rebecca. He's done very, very well. We're so proud of him. But it's right around this time, as his career was really taking off, that hers started to crumble. He started realizing something was wrong when the calls began. He'd be in the middle of the newsroom when his mom would hit him up, sounding incredibly upset. I never heard my mom this broken up, like, back to back to back to back to back, where, like, she's sobbing on the phone or she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And you could just, like, slowly hear a different mom. Rebecca was the executive housekeeper for a hotel in Boston, pretty much the same job she'd held for Sean Pierre's whole life. But now, at 75 years old, she felt like they were taking away her responsibilities, leaving her out of important meetings, and she says she started getting these disciplinary notices that she'd never gotten before. I felt I was being pushed out, and I'd get upset, and I'd work so hard and be tired and, and everything. She started to wonder, am I going to lose my job? She'd call Jean-Pierre like three times a day, and each time he'd step aside from his desk or from the live interview he was about to do, and he'd try to reassure her. Listen, Mom, don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. Just write them back really kindly and say Don't this. give them an inch because they'll take Pull a Pull yourself away from the emotion. Like, I hear it, but... These are the points that you need to get across. It'll be fine, he told her. You'll be fine. Everything was going to be fine. But throughout these months, it became more and more clear that things weren't fine. Rebecca kept getting these weird vibes at work. And Jean-Pierre knew that if she lost her income, he would be her only lifeline. And then what would happen to his life? And, like, if I miss this assignment, what happens to me? What, like, where will I be, you know? And so it was just a constant negotiation about how much of myself to to give. I'm Eddie Mejres, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. In this country, we work and work and work with the idea, or really the promise, that at a certain point, we'll be able to stop working and just chill, to retire and finally do all those things we dreamed of and never had time for. For so many Americans, though, that kind of retirement is a mere fantasy. And the plan is to, well, work until you die. But of course, it is not always up to you. And if you fall, who's there to catch you? This week, what one person did when his mom's reality came crashing down on both of them. 
The way Jean-Pierre describes his relationship with his mom, I don't know, I found it really sweet. I connected with her on like, just like a soul level, you know? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's really, really hard to to describe. Uh, we Even were, as a kid? Yeah, even as a kid. Always in sync. Always in sync. I mean, we cook together. We... We learned together, we read together, we wrote together. I interviewed them separately, and they both described their relationship as best friends. We were always a team. We've always been very close. Rebecca raised her son and Sean Pierre's older brother pretty much alone. She'd arrived to the U.S. from the U.K. in her late 20s, working in tourism. The three of them then settled in Boston at the YWCA, which offered affordable housing for women. And right from the jump, Sean Pierre's childhood was kind of like this case study in contrast. First off, they were an interracial family. He and his brother are black, while his mom, Rebecca, is white. And even though they grew up in affordable housing, the building was right in the middle of this high-end area of Boston. We grew up um, at the YW in an area that was so wealthy, right? Like Mm. the people who lived in that building were um, folks who were sort of just getting by. For decades, Rebecca threw herself into her job as an executive housekeeper. She'd grown up during World War II in a family where money was always tight. Her own mom was a midwife who worked nonstop. And Rebecca remembers asking her, isn't this all too much? I say, Mom, aren't you tired? There's nothing I can't do. There's (laughs) nothing you can't do. Things happen. You get up, you've got to do them. You go off and you do them. That's been my method the whole life. There's nothing mm. I cannot do. So yeah, for years, that's what Rebecca did. She got up day after day and provided for her sons. Their apartment had two bedrooms. Her oldest son struggled with mental illness, so she decided to give him his own room. And Sean pierre shared a room and a bed with her. Each morning, Rebecca would wake up at 5.30, make her son some poached eggs, and fix her hair into her signature high bun. She told him who would pick them up from school and that there was frozen dinner in the fridge. And then she was off to work at the hotel from early morning until late in the evening. Her hands were always, you know, cracked and dry from chemicals. I like to see it clean. I like to see it finished and perfect. People trusted her and they respected her and, and followed her. I love my job. A hotel family is your extended family. She cared. You know, my mom, if any of her room attendants' families passed away, she would always be at the funeral. I'd never been absent, never been late in my whole career. Wow. Never took a sick day. No. Why not? Well, if you don't take your sick days, you get paid three days pay. Mm. <laughs> you cash. Wow. You make it however you can. You make it however you can. Throughout most of Sean Pierre's childhood, Rebecca was making between forty-five dollars and $55,000 a year. And a good chunk of that went towards sending him and his brother to a private Catholic school. Her bills were constantly looming. Week to week. <laughs> week to week. Week mm. to week. Week to week. That must have been stressful. It was very hard. It, it was very, very hard. I never really involved Jean-Pierre and them in my worries. You know what I mean? Mm. It's always make them think everything's fine to make them feel secure. But of course, as a kid, you pick up on cues. Like they couldn't afford for Jean-Pierre to join his friends on ski trips. 
And he'd notice how his classmates' families owned actual houses. And not just your typical kind of home, but multiple stories with home theaters, even live-in chefs. I remember coming home one day and being like, Mom, like, you, like, why don't we have all of that, you know? And like, mm. like, you need to work harder. Like, this isn't, like, good enough. Like, this is embarrassing. I just remember going to sleep that night in the same room as her and hearing her cry and feeling, like, just so, so torn up about it afterwards. It was tough on all of them. To help make ends meet, his mom sometimes had to rely on other people, borrowing 30 bucks here, 50 bucks there, paying it back as soon as she could. And that's just the way it was with money. It came in and it went out to pay for whatever Jean-Pierre and his brother needed. They never really talked about money, in part because they barely ever had a second to surface from the grind they were in. As far as Rebecca was concerned, she had one mission. Get Jean-Pierre into the best college possible. Well, it's important because it's the only way to make it this world, and especially if you're Black. I wanted to make quite sure that he had every best foot forward going Mm. because they deserved it. His senior year, Jean-Pierre got accepted into a handful of schools. Colgate University offered the best financial aid package. It cost about $50,000 a year, but for Jean-Pierre, it would be about $25,000. And I remember talking to mom and just saying, like, hey, this is what it is, you know, and Colgate's one of the best ones that you can get into. Um, and she said that she would split it with me. Jean-Pierre got some grants, took out some student loans. He wasn't sure how his mom was planning to pay for her half, and he didn't ask. But without telling him, she'd made a big decision. I took out my 401k plan. I, you did. I, I paid for the first year. I paid for the first year, and then I took all my money out of my 401k and paid them off. Rebecca liquidated about $20,000 from her retirement plan to help pay for Sean Pierre's college. If you're not super familiar with how 401k plans work, you get a tax break on the money you contribute, and ideally it'll grow over the years through the magic of compound interest. It's a way to secure your future. But like many people, Jean-Pierre didn't know much about 401ks, like that his mom had to pay a penalty in taxes for cashing out early. He didn't even find out that that's how she'd covered his tuition until a few years later. Really, it was just kind of like, okay, this is the way that you access money that you have, that's yours, and cool. Not ever sort of thinking about what 401ks really are used for, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is for, you know, retirement Rebecca says that in the end, she felt fine pulling from her retirement plan because, realistically, retirement never felt like an option. Her whole life, she'd been living paycheck to paycheck. And when that's your reality, you don't always have the luxury of seeing beyond what's right in front of you. And aside from Jean-Pierre, she still had to financially support her older son struggling with mental illness. So her plan was no plan. It was just to get older and older and keep on working at the hotel. I'm never, ever thinking I'm going to leave that place unless I'm in my box, you know? Mm. I was not concerned at all. So that was that. She used her 401k to help get Sean Pierre through college. And in 2006, on a chilly Sunday afternoon, he graduated. It meant a lot to her. I mean, I mean, on graduation day, my mom was probably the best dressed, you know, in like, (laughs) and just like, you know, the nicest, classiest outfit. And 
and just, you know, it's just so proud. Seeing him cross that line as president of the class was amazing. A wonderful mm. feeling of thank you, God. Thank you, God. The American dream is starting to come true. After graduation, Jean-Pierre moved to New York City. And the next few years were a constant grind. He ended up getting a job at BET, then CNN. He was going on camera during the Obama campaign. All the hard work, all the expenses, all the late nights. This is what it was for, right? To make it and to make his mom proud. And this is where we found him at the beginning of the story. Feeling good, moving up, full of ambition. Just as his mom's career started to fall apart. He'd visit her in Boston, trying to support her. And sometimes he'd record her as she vented and shared how afraid she was about losing her job. My management style is being questioned. I I fear that I'm not trusted. That's essentially what it is. I'm feeling a lack of trust in my ability. In this video clip, Rebecca is slumped in a chair in the living room, looking distraught. She was working even harder. She'd get in earlier, stay later. Jean-Pierre was trying to help her any way he could. When he had to be in New York, he'd send her her favorite cheesecake or a big bouquet of sunflowers. And when he was with her in Boston, he tried to help her with damage control. Maybe an email to HR, maybe bring in a third party. But then, in September of 2016... Jean-Pierre got a fateful voicemail. My mom just says, I just got fired. I just got fired. Call me. Call me. Bye. Bye. End of message. And I remember, like, my knees just giving out. Rebecca had been called into an office and told that the hotel was restructuring. They thanked her and let her know that that day would be her last day on the job. Jean-Pierre was hours away on a trip in Paris, unable to get in touch with his mom till the next morning. It was really, it was very hard. I was in a daze, I think, for a couple of days. As soon as Jean-Pierre got back, he hopped on a bus to Boston, where he found his mom in pieces. They gave her two weeks' pay and told her that she needed to leave the apartment within a year. Her apartment was attached to her job. That's part of the way Rebecca had made ends meet all these years, by working in the same building where she lived. It meant a smaller paycheck, but she didn't have to pay rent. So losing her job meant losing her apartment, too. And so, you know, it's kind of like, that's a doomsday scenario. It felt like this bone-deep betrayal. The system they'd both put so much faith into their whole lives. You know, capitalism, the American dream. It had cut her loose, essentially telling her, "Mm, tough luck, there's the door. And again, just as her American dream was dying, his was coming true. You know, getting bigger assignments, steadily climbing up the media ladder. I'm like interviewing Tom Cruise, you know, and feeling like, oh my God, does it get better than this? And like... That was what made the decision so hard about what to do. Because it was like, well, look at this world that's opening up for Mm. you. But also, like, look at this world that's closing in on her. And, Mm. you know, like having to really decide, like, well, which decision that you make are you going to be able to live with? That winter, Jean-Pierre made the only decision he felt like he could live with. 
he would temporarily move to Boston to support his 75-year-old mom. He decided not to renegotiate his contract with CNN, which was a big chunk of his earnings. He told himself, okay, mom has always been there for me. So now it's my turn. It seems like there was a bit of like reversal of roles happening. Oh, he, he became my mummy, essentially. After the break, love, sacrifice, and a 20-foot avocado tree. Jean-Pierre had left his life behind in New York, at least for the time being. His sole focus was on his mom and trying to help her find a new job. Every day, it was dragging her to the computer. Mm. Like, okay, mom, let's just get your LinkedIn profile set up, and that's all we'll do today. And then she'd be like, I don't want to go leave me alone. And he would plow forward anyway. Okay, let's apply to five jobs today. I don't want to go. Nobody wants to hire me. Leave me alone. This was her first time navigating an online job search. Probably her first time making a resume, much less figuring out how to upload it. He'd try to coax her into these bite-sized daily goals. And he was still recording everything. Like in this clip, Rebecca squints into a laptop while Jean-Pierre sits behind her, coaching her as she scrolls through a website. I don't like to do this shit, I said. Why not? Because I'm a housekeeper. Well, you always told me that Sometimes you got to do things that you don't want to do. There ain't no reason on this earth anybody's going to hire somebody that's 75 years of age. Nothing was coming through. She'd go to interviews, put on her best outfit, then never get a call back. She and Jean-Pierre were both getting really exhausted. And as the weeks passed, he started to wonder, if she can't find a job... How much of a financial cushion does she actually have? So one day, he decided to sit her down in the living room and ask her a question that he had never asked before. He turned on the camera. So how much money do you have in your bank account today? About $600. $600. In the clip, Rebecca looks down, away from the camera. It's very difficult right now. And it is, to me, one of the only moments that I was frozen because it, you know, like, okay, well, that's gone next week. You know, like, what? Mm-hmm. what's the plan for after that? You know, um, and you can see in her face that she just, there is no plan. Jean-Pierre felt gutted. After all those years of working long hours, never taking a sick day, his mom had been left with nearly nothing. And the small nest egg she did have, the 401k, well, she'd given it up for him. And she'd stopped making contributions since then. And at that point, had you ever talked with her about her plan for retirement? We never not once had a conversation about what would happen the day my mom stopped working. Because Mm -hmm. there was never a plan for my mom to stop working. And that's the reality for millions of people in the U.S., One out of every four Americans doesn't have a retirement plan. And those who do, well, studies show many are at risk of losing their standard of living as they age. About half of older working households have less than $60,000 saved. 
Rebecca barely had enough to cover a few months of groceries. The only money she had coming in was Social Security and unemployment, though a lot of that eventually went to support her older son. Rebecca started to get deeply depressed. I had let my work define me, and it let me down. It didn't matter. I felt, I don't know, cast aside with nothing. For years, she tied her self-worth to her career. And now, without a job, she felt empty. She'd spend her days in bed, TV on constantly. From the 6 o'clock news on, and then 11 o'clock was the same thing over, then the next day was the last night's news, and Antiques Roadshow, I watched that avidly, same series over and over again. Rebecca was starting to mull over what she'd missed in giving her whole life to this job. The weekend trips, the dinners out, the time with her sons. I missed a whole lifetime. I missed lifetimes on the job of things that other people were doing. And uh, I just screwed myself in the end. Rebecca says during this time, she felt suicidal. It was really hard for Jean-Pierre to see his mom in this state. So he decided to do something about it, as a son, but also as a journalist. He knew that she'd probably never have the money to do the things she'd missed out on. So he launched this crowdfunding campaign to produce a documentary about his mom. The film would follow them as they checked off a bucket list of all the things she'd never gotten to do while she was working. He and Rebecca milked a cow for the first time. They took a hip-hop class together. Okay, so what are we going to teach my mom today? What's like, is this like an easy beginner session? This is your easy beginner session intro to hip-hop. Hip-hop 101. (laughs) They reconnected with old relatives. The one thing about family is that you can just drop off and pick up again, just like it was yesterday. Visited her sister's grave in England. What it means to go to my sister's grave is... So first time I had the opportunity to say goodbye to her. And they jumped out of a plane together. For my final bucket list, I wanted to go skydiving because I heard it makes you feel really free. <laughs> it was almost like a retirement and fast forward, crammed into one year. This is actually how we found out about Jean-Pierre, through the documentary, which he called Duty Free. For a brief moment, their awful reality faded into the background. But eventually, the movie ends, the credits roll, and one day Rebecca finds a piece of paper slipped under her front door. They actually sent me an eviction notice. They came right under the door. And that's when all hell broke loose. Up until that point, Jean-Pierre had been fighting to extend her lease, and he'd been able to buy her a few years. But now, after living there for four decades, Rebecca was finally going to have to leave it all behind. And she had to figure out where she was going to go. Either my mom moved back to England with the Mm. family that she had not lived with for decades. Right. Or she moved into a very small apartment that was extremely affordable in the far outskirts of Massachusetts, which she would die there. Or she would move in with me. They went with that third option. Jean-Pierre had moved back to New York by then, and now Rebecca would join him there. 
Picture for a second Sean Pierre's life. A 30-something-year-old guy dating, working this busy schedule, and living in New York City with roommates. You know, sometimes he stays out late, his apartment is often noisy or messy after a party. Now picture Rebecca's life. Quiet, predictable, and a lot tidier. Now, how exactly was this going to work? For now, Sean Pierre could only focus on logistics. In March of 2020, he and his boyfriend went to Boston to pack Rebecca's stuff into boxes. And once they got there, the reality started to sink in that her life was about to shrink. So many dishes, you know, mm. and it's like, well, we don't need three boxes of dishes because we already have enough dishes here. Right. And that's the difficulty of moving with somebody is that your stuff doesn't always fit into their space. And people are paying for space and they have a right not to have somebody else's clutter around them. They tried to make some concessions, like they carefully packed up her beloved 20-foot avocado tree, which she'd been raising since Jean-Pierre was a kid. It wasn't just that Rebecca was attached to these objects. It's more what they represented. A life is made up of a lot of actual stuff. And when Rebecca had to give it up, it felt like this physical symbol of giving up her independence. It was sad. It was sad. For years, she had made all the decisions about how to live her life. And now? I felt like I couldn't call the shots anymore. You know, I've always been able to collect what I want and get what I want. And trying to fit that into another person whose space where there really isn't enough room for all my stuff. Anyway, it was painful. Before they said their final goodbye to the apartment, the home where Rebecca raised her boys, Jean-Pierre did one last thing. I just remember going into the closet and um, taking a key and etching all of our names into the closet because I was like, well, even if they paint over this, like, we're still here. On the day Rebecca got to New York, Jean-Pierre and his boyfriend were ready at the door to greet her. It was a beautiful day outside, and we were on the terrace, and you walked up with just your bag, and we were like, welcome home, roommate. They made a big deal about welcoming her, getting her settled in, making it festive. They painted a green accent wall in her new room, set up a desk with a computer, did a deep clean. Still, though, everyone was battling some nerves. What were your hopes for that day? Because it's, it's a big day. Uh, well, just wanted to feel like I was at home mm-hmm. and that I wasn't going to be an inconvenience and, um, yeah... Yeah, my, I mean, my immediate hope was that, I guess, the um, settling in, if you will, over time was not too terribly hard. And that, you know, leaving your home of 40 years wouldn't loom over you, I guess. He wanted her to feel at home, even if this new home was a lot smaller. The line I remember most often was, I moved from a 750-square-foot apartment... 781-square-foot, remember? (laughs) ...to a 10-by-12 room. Yeah. During this part of our conversation, Jean-Pierre and Rebecca were actually sitting in this room, squeezed together on her twin bed. Her bedroom doesn't have any windows, and she has to walk down the hall to use the bathroom. And as they're figuring out how to be roommates, there have been a few tense moments... 
Like, she does not love dirty dishes in the sink. Well, I'll be with you in a minute when I just cleaned up this sink a little bit, but smiling. <laughs> right, But right. really not smiling inside. Isn't that right, Sean? <laughs> you know that. <laughs> she says she tries to make herself feel useful around the house. She makes the beds every morning. She does everyone's laundry. And there's been an ongoing negotiation about what stuff of hers to keep and what to give away. There's still a pile of unopened boxes in their loft. But more than any of that, Rebecca's had to manage this anxiety of not wanting to be a burden. Like you're a third wheel, like you, you don't know, you know, who, who's going to cook the dinner, what are, what, are, what are my responsibilities, nah, you don't want to interrupt anybody when they're having a conversation or you're going to go to bed or they have visitors come over, where do you go? Uh, you say, hello, how are you, everything, and then you go into your room and close the door or do you mm. sit out there and sit with them? It's different. It's different. This comes up a lot for her, this feeling of not wanting to impose, not wanting to overstep. I'm invited outside when they're having their dinner and stuff off the night. <laughs> I'm invited outside. Sounds like you are locked in your room. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean to say, uh, it's not like I'm squirreled away. I mean, I can go out there anytime I want. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, think about it. They've been living together again for the first time in nearly 20 years. Except this time, it's in Sean Pierre's space with his routines, his way of doing things. And that can be awkward. He's in his 30s, no kids. And sometimes he's like, should mom get to see everything I do? Like, you know, drinking before we go out, right? Like, um, all of those things, like, my mom can and does have judgment on. We only have one shot at life. For God's sake, enjoy your life. Right. And I'm becoming more tolerant of that. Drinking, <laughs> I, I will ha- occasionally have a glass of wine with your friends, but I'm not a drinker. Right. Whatever they want to do in their house is fine with me. Mm. Money-wise, it's been a stretch. Sean Pierre's rent went from about $1,600 a month to just over $4,000 a month when his roommates moved out and his mom moved in. For the most part, Rebecca hasn't been able to contribute financially. But just recently, Sean Pierre's landlord hiked their rent by 500 bucks. So now she's going to start chipping in from her Social Security checks. I've always wanted to pay my way, so that's what I'm going to do now. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. And that's the whole thing about this situation, is that it's kind of like, it really is, we are working together in a very real way. (laughs) Like Somehow or other, the rent gets paid every month, we all eat, we all do what we have to do. No debt collectors on my doorstep, and so (laughs) that's, that's life. But for Jean-Pierre, the hardest part of all of this hasn't been the money. For years, he's grappled with this feeling, or really this question, how do you do right by a parent who's given you everything? It's this overwhelming mindset that constantly bleeds into his day-to-day life. I mean, frankly, the hardest thing is, I think, feeling emotionally tied to your happiness, right? Like, feeling like... If we're going out and you're staying home that, you know, maybe you would be bored or that like that you are not having the same experience as we are having. Well, lay your fears on that. If I have my TV and I've got my coffee, I'm home. 
then I, 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 um, my days of going out are over. I am 81 this year <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. I mean, even so much as like you have more time in the day, right. It's like, um, you know, what are you doing with your day? Like, are you really living your day to the, 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 like the biggest, like best that you could be? You can hear them struggling here. Rebecca wanting to reassure Jean-Pierre that she's okay. And Jean-Pierre wanting to make sure that she's more than okay. That she's happy. They both feel the void that her career has left behind. And yeah, we tie so much of our self-worth to our work. Or if you're not working, what you can contribute. That's the way the system is set up in the U.S. Your work can feel like it's your identity. Your virtue. But now that Jean-Pierre has become his mom's retirement plan, he's slowly realizing that there's only so much he can do to fill that gap. They've merged two different lives at very different stages, where happiness means very different things. It's important to acknowledge that, like, as much as I want you to be happy all of the time, like, life is not that way, and I'm not happy all of the time. And to be okay with just, you know, Going with the flow. Exactly. And so that has been a big, a big sort of epiphany and like an aha moment, which allows me to like, just relax a little bit and not have Mm -hmm. to sort of like, strangle happiness out of every moment you know it's just like (laughs) please relax (laughs) you got me nervous (laughs) be yourself enjoy yourself i am happy yeah know that these words i am happy Mm. champier don't fret about it Jean-Pierre and Rebecca have been living together again for nearly two years now. And as far as they can see, this new living arrangement is permanent. For decades, they threw themselves into a system that promised limitless opportunity if you were just willing to hustle for it. And it seemed to be working. Jean-Pierre was like the poster boy of his mom's American dream. But when the system fails a loved one, it fails us too. So they're leaning hard now on a different kind of system. They're small, but mighty family. Great, that is all for our show this week. If you want to hear more about Rebecca and Sean Pierre's story, including the bucket list they did together, be sure to check out their documentary, Duty Free. And a big thank you to Sean Pierre for sharing extra footage from the film with us, which was featured in this story. If you have any thoughts or comments or want to share your own story, you can always reach me and the team at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. Also, do not forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter if you haven't already. Each Friday, I am in your inbox with a note about my own life or how I'm making sense of the news. Our team also shares really great recommendations on things to read and watch and listen to. You can subscribe to that by going to marketplace.org slash comfort. This episode was lead produced by Camila Kerwin. It was hosted by me, Rima Khreis. Our producers are Phoebe Unterman with help this season from Marielle Seguera. 
Haley Hirschman is our senior producer. Our editor is Karen Duffin. Marque Green is our digital producer with help from Tony Wagner. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. And our theme music is by Wonderly. Special thanks this week to Zoe Saunders and to Angie Chin from the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. All right, I'll catch y'all 